Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that serves as the go-to hub of sexual health communications resources, specifically for people navigating herpes stigma. This includes healthcare providers who might deliver a diagnosis. This includes people who might date partners who have herpes and just wanting to understand a little bit of what that person may be dealing with mentally. This is also, of course, for people who have herpes directly um, and for loved ones and people who might be even out in the dating world. I think that there's a lot to learn from the experiences of people who are directly impacted by STI stigma and what we're doing is we're taking the information that we get from people's stories and we're making an effort to quantify that, do some sort of research in order to come up with an intervention program that <clears throat> can be integrated into sex education resources that uh, gives people the communication skills necessary to navigate not only conversations around their sexual health, but also discussing boundaries and consent, as well as the intentions of the relationship as a method of reducing the potentiality for harm and abuse that can occur in relationships. Not to say that this is going to make it all go away, but this is definitely a step in the right direction for us to utilize communication as a means of harm minimization overall. I often say that sexual health is mental health. Uh, we are expanding more into sexual health being more whole person health just simply because what I'm finding is that a lot of people's sexuality tends to be confused for their identity. So when you receive a herpes diagnosis, what you come to realize is that it's not just a part of you that's gone. It's my sex life is over. My life is over. It's not things need to look a little bit different and I'll adjust, at least not initially, but that's where these stories are important. So if you are someone who wants to share your own experience on the Something Positive for Positive People podcast, please reach out to me, Courtney at SPFPP.org via email, or you can contact me on Instagram at Courtney Brain with an underscore at the end, or if you're on other social media platforms like TikTok, um, it's Courtney Brain underscore as well. If you have not already, please, please, please go and take the 2023 HSV survey. I mentioned what we're doing um, in terms of advocating for these experiences to be integrated into sex education resources. Um, this HSV survey, so if you are taking it from a mobile device and you have trouble signing in, I need you to do two things. One is going to be, and it's not even signing in, I'm sorry, I should not have said that because it is completely anonymous. We have IRB approval from Ohio Valley University in order to maintain the anonymity and the integrity of uh, people's information that they are sharing. So I don't know who you are unless you write out in one of the answers who you are for whatever reason. So here's the thing, when you open the survey, Let's say you go to www.spfpp.org slash survey, all right? That takes you to the uh, page that says, here's what the survey is. Click here to go to the survey. You click that button. Next, you're going to see a screen with words that I believe is the consent form, and it might be jumbled and stacked on top of each other on a mobile device, all right? There is going to be a tiny blue box to the right side center of the screen. You can barely see it. Press that and then it'll take you to where you click next in order to begin the survey. You must have herpes in order to take this survey. Now, if you do not see that blue box, 
please try the survey from a different browser. There have been a lot of issues with this. Uh, the people that we're using the software with, they're not able to fix this, unfortunately. If it was up to me, we would have used Google Forms, but people have to sign in for that, and that's a whole separate issue, but please take that survey. Last announcement before we get into this podcast interview is that there are support groups that are now being offered to Patreon subscribers. If you join Patreon at the $10 a month or more level, you will have access to the weekly support groups. On Mondays, we are doing 6 p.m. Pacific time at this time. So when you go um, to when you're a Patreon subscriber, uh, you'll be able to see that it's pinned. You'll see the login, how to get there and everything. Uh, as a subscriber to Patreon, you'll have access to that. So herpes specific group is going to be Mondays at 6 p.m. Pacific time. The fourth Monday of the month is open to everybody. So if other people want to join, if you want to bring a friend or if people stumble across this and they want to see what it's about, join on the fourth Monday of the month. Uh, Thursdays are men's groups. This is not exclusive to men who have herpes. However, most of the men who come show up do have herpes. This one is on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific time. I'm throwing a lot of information at you, but you can go to the website spfpp.org slash events and you'll be able to see that. That is also open on the fourth Thursday of the month. Um, but open to Patreon subscribers year-round. And if the times end up changing, um, I'll update the website and update Patreon subscribers as well. So we are very much trying to get people to join and stay on Patreon, uh, more so than the one-off support calls. Y'all, I I did the math and looked at it, and between three and seven hours a week uh, is the amount of time that I'm spending with one person. Whereas we can condense these to calls where we can get more out of it. And a lot of the questions are the same. So I believe that community is a really good healing mechanism for anybody navigating herpes stigma. So this is one way that I'm going about intentionally creating community and it's utilizing Patreon as a way of also getting people to put a little bit of skin into the game themselves so that you may feel more enticed to come and get something out of it. That is it for the announcements, and now we can get into the podcast interview. So, first, do we want to say where you're located? Because you you have an accent. I don't know if that gives away where you're from, but you also travel a lot. So, you can kind of get away with, you know, just saying whatever you want to say. Like, I, however you want to introduce yourself, name, age, location, uh, we can go from there. So I'll, I'll let you do that because I'm, I'm not using your name. I have no reason to say your name as we discussed before, but uh, just how can people get a mental picture of who today's guest is? Yeah, that's the problem. And yeah, I suppose me speaking will give it away pretty quickly to most people as to where I'm from. But um, yeah, so I, I suppose I'm a 26-year-old uh, male from Ireland. Uh, living abroad right now or I think your headphones might have just cut off damn my intro was that long that your headphones died from being fully charged <laughs> no I'm unable to hear you dun 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 
I don't put everything in the beginning of the intro that would normally go into an ad of some sort. Oh, is it? Can you talk? Yeah, sorry. I oh. just had to turn that off because I couldn't hear you for when you asked me to introduce myself and then I couldn't um, hear you speaking from then. Sorry about that. Um, where do you want me to start from? Oh, yeah. When you said 26 years old, I was about to just use some filler here. But, yeah, go ahead. You said you're 26 and then... Yeah, Grant. So, yeah, I'm 26 years old uh, and I'm from Ireland, living abroad, um, male, straight male. Um, I suppose I, the main reason I I'm, was keen to come on or, or um, was very willing to come on and speak on your podcast is because um, specifically for and um, from an Irish perspective, because when I originally received my diagnosis, it was in Ireland and there was little to no like Ireland is a very small country but a very kind of well connected country um and we obviously have a unique way of doing things and looking at things and we have a unique way of life that's different to every other country in the world so there is always a sense of comfort like no matter how far away you travel in the world you're going to find some Irish people or you're going to want some taste of Ireland or etc the reason I say that is because when I originally received my diagnosis, there was no obvious, real sort of specifically Irish health network that I was aware of because it just wasn't advertised, as in, um, uh, without getting too much into the history of it, you know, which is very nitty gritty, but there's a kind of a, the idea of talking openly about sex and sexual health is really only a very recent development in Ireland. Uh, like when I say recent, we're talking like a couple of decades, you know, but like it's progressed a lot, but it's still probably not at the level where it could or should be. So again, the reason I keep bringing this up is because when I was looking up, I had, you know, I, I looked for support networks and I reached out to you. And the very first thing I asked you, if you remember was, I'm from Ireland. Do you know anybody from Ireland who's gone through this? Because it's, it's all well and good to reach out to, you know, an American person and you've been massively helpful. You know, your stuff has been amazing, but internally in me, there was also a thing where it's like, does anyone like me, has anyone like me gone through this before? And it just would have been easier to relate to. And you managed to put me in touch with somebody. That person was amazing. But that person was also, yeah, no, it was really good. But that person was also, um, had lived abroad, who hadn't been in Ireland for a very long time. So there was a sense of removal there. So I suppose there's a little selfish part of me that's like this is going to be a nice little therapy session as well and just to vocalize a lot of this stuff which i haven't really done since my diagnosis which was in what we're october 23 now mine was in march 23 so it wasn't that long ago um it seemed like it was so long ago i feel like we've been at least in touch for a while longer than that that was just March. we were in touch for like like i I can just for for anyone listening i can take you up sure everyone has a very similar experience but I can take you through it if you want um my March 23 I was at I was at a party the night before I was doing a master's in uh in Dublin and I was at a party the night before with a lot of people from my college um but I had had an outbreak what I didn't know I thought it was just a rash like again because I, I didn't know what to look for again coming back to education I, I probably can do that frequently but um Just realize I've never told this story. Hey, listen, you take whatever breaks you need, man. Take your breaks. We, yeah. we got time. No, it's, it's not. Yeah, I'm fine now. Like, but at the time it was. Uh, so, um, 
yeah, so I, I went to the party, you know, had booked a, te- a doctor test the next day. I say I went to the party because me, me being massively hungover the day of the diagnosis provides a bit of context to my reaction. Um, went to the um, went went to the doctor, basically told him the situation. He had a look and he said, okay, I think that's herpes. And my only education of herpes uh, to that point had been I was aware it existed obviously but it was kind of it was a punchline used on telly to describe someone who was sick that was my only like that's the way I've kind of you know it's like oh this person that has herpes ooh, run that was the only thing that I really saw and I remember watching clips from my tv shows of all the times herpes were mentioned and every single one of them was like he has herpes that's a bad thing or he gave me herpes, ooh, he's a bad person, you know, or he or she or whatever. So that was that was all it was. And I remember driving, I had to drive through, if anyone who's listened to this who knows Dublin City at all, I had to drive from one end of the city to the other back to my home place, um, from my college to my home place. And on the way, I rang my good mate who was living abroad, my best mate who was living abroad. And uh, I told him, and he laughed. And I don't, I don't blame him for that at all. Like, isn't like I don't hold that against him in any way because that's exactly what I would have done if I was him. Because again, he came through the same system as me. We knew nothing about this, and he was just like, "Are you okay?" And I go, "No, I'm, I have no idea what to do. Literally, no idea." Now, what um, kind of laugh was this? Was this a "ha ha, that's it," or was this like a laughing at you in a way that made you feel bad? No, it, it it was definitely not that. It oh. was a, haha, oh fuck. Okay. It was, it was a laugh of surprise, and him being my best friend wanted to support me, but didn't know how because he didn't have again the education or the experience okay. as to how to help. So it was like I only I mention it because again another instance of someone from my support network not knowing what to do, and that was just my the first time telling anyone. Was a was a really panicked, shaky call while sitting in hours long traffic trying to drive through Dublin City. Um, traffic in Dublin I, I is mental, just if yeah, it can be. And um, then I went home, and the very first thing I did was I kind of mentioned to my mother that I was going to the doctor because my mother is a doctor. So normally, if there's any, I'm pretty okay with asking my mom about. I would never talk to my mum about, like, say, sexual health stuff, but I would always talk to my mum about medical stuff. And at the time, I thought it was purely just a medical thing. So I was like, okay, this is the story. She goes, go to the doctor, see what they say. And I walked in, and I, I've never broken down in front of my mum the way I did. I was 25, um, just ugly, crying, like not able to breathe. Yeah, and my in my I like I felt like I was a child who would just cut his knee again. Do you know it was just oh, it was, and and I in hindsight I look back on that and I'm embarrassed isn't the right word, but it's that was unnecessary. I didn't need to have to do that because if I had been more educated on what the facts of it actually are, that wouldn't have happened. So without the education and without a support network that who knew what they were talking about, you know, felt very, very alone. And you mentioned it there. You said, you know, when you originally get your diagnosis, you might feel like my life is over. That's exactly how I felt. Um, 
contextually being that I had just started dating a girl that I really, really liked. Um, I was so I was 25 at the time. Hadn't been in a relationship since I was 19 because personally I didn't see... The, I'm I'm person when it comes to me, I'm monogamous relationship, kind of old school, ca- classic Catholic Irish boring sort of spec. But, you know, um, that's kind of just my outlook. And so to me, it was never, I would never get into a relationship with someone if I didn't think that it had definite legs, you know, if, if that makes sense. Like, I, that's, just, that's just who I am, you know. And this was the, and I, I wasn't like I was searching or not searching, but I was just waiting and this was the very first, it, like in the couple of weeks before that, I felt starting to feel right. This I'm going to ask this girl out because I feel we have long term uh, compatibility and just love. Really, I didn't tell her that at the time, but I knew it. And um, and I thought, oh, this is all fucked up now. This is all gone. I remember saying to my mom, the only thing I remember saying to my mom is, "Who's going to stay with me? Who's going to love me?" which sounds really, really dramatic in hindsight, but the fact is, without the education, without the knowledge, that's, that was a perfectly rational thing to be feeling. And it's wrong, but it's rational. And, yeah, um, that was a, what day of the week was that? That would have been a Thursday. And on the Right, so I, I play a sport in Ireland, it's called hurling, uh, you, you personally may not know, but anyone who's Irish would know it, it's a sport called hurling, and I had a match on another in another part of the country on a Saturday afternoon, really important match, so that was the Thursday, on the Friday I had to drive up and go to the game, and didn't sleep a wink of sleep on Thursday night, uh, Friday evening I had to drive up so I could stay overnight with the team, and I normally, it's a two hour drive, to, uh, to depend on traffic and stuff so I had to load I always listen to podcasts that's my thing and I'm mainly comedy entertainment podcasts uh, usually but this time I just thought you know what and I threw I threw uh, the word herpes into Spotify and your podcast came up when I listened to it and I think just recently you had posted a something for men part one you might correct me on the name if I'm wrong there but that was it was like in the last couple of weeks the last couple of your latest episodes that was the episode I listened to and a lot of it just really just hit the nail on the head. And then I, I, in the middle of the motorway, pulled over and just started crying because it was the first time I didn't feel alone or not so much alone. It was the first time I felt understood like that a lot of the fears and, and issues I was having were being resolved. Um, yeah, that was, that, looking back, it was an intense couple of days, like, um, and then the next day was the match and I remember I think I sent you a voice message uh, off the back of listening to that just because I felt it was important to let you know how much that meant um, I've no doubt I'm not alone in that I'm sure you can attest to that as well but went yeah then the match happened on a Saturday but I still wasn't like still shocked like it still wasn't right about it and I got what I call like I love playing my sport, like and but I got what I would call I was playing and it was a big game, like the most important game of the year so far. And I got what I would call mildly injured in the first half. An argument could be made that I could have played through it, but I was only delighted that I had taken out of that match. I was just so happy just to not have to play it because I couldn't think of anything else. And 
we lost that game and all the lads were devastated and I, I couldn't any other time any other time even since like I've played matches with them since and the competition's been right and I've been right since but that day I just couldn't match the emotions of, that they were having and I felt guilty about that but because I just it's the reason I'm saying this is because I know probably someone's going to listen to this and they might be slightly more dramatic slightly less dramatic but you know in hindsight you know I'm, I'm sort of angry that there was no real sort of personal stuff like I had to go looking for help and I'm very glad that I did but it's amazed the person particularly amongst men I feel who would feel like that they would want to tough it out on their own or would have be very selective in the people that they trust and I remember and I won't say who it is but one of the people I've told I've only told about four maybe five people I remember telling one of the people I know about this podcast and you, you being an online person from America, to us that's a stranger, like being one of my big support network. And the immediate reaction was skepticism. This person is online, this person you don't know, you know. But the fact is that's what I needed. Um, and the reason I needed that was because where I come from, and the, you know, there wasn't, that and, and arguably there still isn't like I mean I'm obviously have my ears open a lot more to that and to this date my continually I, st I don't see an improvement in the level I mean I know it's only been what six months out but I don't see any improvement in you know the services that are available to I'm going to say just for my demographic I'd be at Irish men and I obviously if you look statistically I'm definitely not alone in this um but that was tough um yeah, so I suppose when you ask, like, what am I comfortable sharing? Like, I mean, I'm very comfortable sharing who I am and where I'm from because I want to be, ideally, I would like to be able to be, I want to be available to be the support that I wanted or needed at the time when I was going through my diagnosis, if that makes sense. Something positive for positive people. Ireland coming soon. <laughs> um. um I want to ask you, um, you said this was the first time you got to speak to this or say some of this out loud. How did that feel for you? Very, very relieving. As in, um, uh, for just for a bit of context, uh, I obviously a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, yeah, no, very relieving because I, I told my, the girl I was there, I, was, say, I mentioned earlier, we're still together. Um, the happiest I've ever been, to be honest, with her. Like, obviously, we're apart now because I'm abroad. That's kind of more. That's gonna be a short-term thing. We're making arrangements about that. But, um, happiest I've ever been. And at the risk of sounding like a massive hypocrite, I can't promise myself that if she had been like, "Ooh, no," when I told her, that I'd feel the same way. But I suppose the flip side of that is now, as in. I nearly have to remind myself that I have positive herpes diagnosis. I don't think about it. It was only that actually the thing that brought it up was uh, I went into your survey, and I would recommend anyone who's listening to this and who uh, um, you know uh, who has been tested positive for herpes should do the survey because um, regardless of just obviously it's a positive collection of information to a worthwhile source for someone who's providing support, but 
just the little therapy of it, just reminding yourself of like what your experience is and how you've been managing it. And so you're also reminding yourself of certain things like, um, you know, be it frequency of outbreaks, be it how you treat them, be it even little things like the, you know, treatment options for outbreaks. Like there were a bunch of options there that I never even considered be- just because I didn't know about them. And now I do because they were options on the survey. Um, so I would highly encourage anyone just who's listening to do it. That was kind of what re-triggered it for me. But in terms of, yeah, felt to be able to speak about it feels good. Um, I come from a position of massive luck in the sense that the thing I was afraid I might lose, I didn't. I can't promise that that would be the same if I'd had. Um, but ultimately, I definitely, I know that I would be okay eventually for sure because, you know, again now that i'm more educated on it okay and yeah <clears throat> uh thank you for going back to that place and sharing all of that because a lot of people get in relationships and i don't hear from them again they just go on to live happily ever after and then i see like wedding photos on their page and i'm like who is this i'll look through messages and then see oh this was a person who was like I'm having trouble disclosing to this girl. And I'm like, well, say this thing or tell me more about this relationship. And then like, that's the last correspondence we've had. So sure. thanks, <laughs> thanks for remembering me. Thanks for thinking about me and, and yeah. coming back and being willing to share your experience. Uh, I know that a burning question that people will have is how did you tell this person who you're with, especially so freshly into your diagnosis? Because this was in March and you said this is the girl who you were liking around this time. You just got your diagnosis. You didn't know much. You didn't really know how to communicate about this. So how did you start this conversation about your diagnosis? So I'm a little ashamed of this because it wasn't as clean cut as it probably should have been. But what happened was I just got me. So at the time we were, um, the term, well, the term we use were, we were fuck buddies. That's the term we would use. We were, we were, we were both kind of only looking for something casual. Wait, wait. So were y'all monogamous fuck buddies? Yes, although we weren't certain about that at the time, because again, you didn't want to compromise the sanctity of the term by discussing other partners. <laughs> that was, that was like it was in. Yes, we were, but that wasn't agreed. That was just again. Well, that was kind of a sign of the times in the sense that if I didn't like her as much as I did, I wouldn't go with anyone else, because that's just the way I am. And um, I'm sure a lot of people would be similar, but um, yeah. So like, so what it was, we went on. We met in November didn't meet again until February, went on a couple of dates, started sleeping together, and we were both kind of like, oh, you know, something casual, whatever. But then around the same time as, uh, we were around the same time as I was, had my diagnosis, I started to realize, okay, I'm gonna ask this girl out. And I, I, felt, I felt confident that she felt the same way. Um, oh, okay. But, and then, it was as gas, so then that, the, the the match, I so I got my diagnosis on Thursday. Match happened on the Saturday. I talked I talked to you on the Friday. Match happened on the Saturday. On the Sunday, I was coming back to Dublin, where uh, we both live. Um, I'm from there. She's not, not um, but she lives there. And uh, and I, we met for uh, Irish people will know this. There's a there's a fast food restaurant called Supermax. 
which sounds like it should be sued, but apparently it's okay. It's like uh, it's like uh, the best description I can drive to for those for anyone not from Ireland listening. It's kind of like Wendy's, but an Irish Wendy's, and it, it's massively popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing. If you're ever in Ireland, check it out. I highly recommend it. Supermax. It's like um, it's very it's very good. It's it's got a love hate relationship with Irish people. Some love it, some hate it. But we both love it. It's actually one of the things we bonded over. So weirdly, I invited her out for a super match. It doesn't sound romantic, but I maintained that it was. And um, we, um, I went down and I said to her, and I'm curious, if, I think this would have been a good idea regardless of my herpes situation, but I said to her, look, I like you, and originally I think we were both looking for something casual, but I would like this to go a bit longer if you'd be interested. And she said, yeah. And I said, okay, I want to try something. Uh I want to maybe not have sex for a week or two just to see how compact because I didn't want to disclose it to somebody if I didn't think their relationship had legs as well so that was kind of looking out for myself so what I said was I want to not have sex for a couple of weeks because I want to just explore us outside of that um, which you know I actually maintain is a very good thing because we definitely learned more about each other I mean I obviously my ulterior motive was I got something to tell you that I really don't want to tell you, but um, yeah. So we we grew really close in, in the ten ten or we only we only think we only managed the last twelve days before I I planned on maybe telling her in two weeks or something. But one day I was just talking to her and just felt like she was just I just I remember just I had the words out of my mouth. I got to tell you something before I knew I was saying it. So it wasn't as planned as it should have been. Um, I have three questions for you before you continue. One, do you think it's possible that you could have gotten it from her? Yes. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I can elaborate on that more or you can do the questions first. Okay. Yes. I'd like to come back to that. Uh, the second thing is just more of a comment, uh, how someone might consider you, putting a pause on it, manipulative, in trying to just take sex off the table for a bit and make her like you more or fall in love so that when you disclose to her, it's less likely that she'll say no. However, the way that you just described it to me, yes, it can be seen that way, but also it could just be your boundary and what you need. So you know that you've had this sexual relationship. You knew that you wanted to see if this was something that could be more. And then you put something in place for that to naturally happen. And I want to address this because I think at the beginning of you sharing this, you said, um, this wasn't like the best way of going about it, but it was the way that you had. You don't have information. You don't really have much of, here's some options for me of how I can go about this, right? So you, I think, should give yourself a little more credit for being able to hit the pause button on the sex and then be able to go, okay, I know that I wanna say this. I need to figure out how to say this. So what I'm gonna do is, wait, do I even like this person? Are we really compatible? We just been having sex all this time, but how do we do, with the boring stuff outside of that. So I wanna just like give you a virtual high five for being able to create that space and allow for yourself to see, you know, not only whether or not this person is someone who's compatible with you, but to also create the space for you to 
learn and identify how you wanted to uh, present this information to her. So I guess it wasn't really three questions. It was just the one question of maybe you got it from her and we can explore that next. But yeah, I just wanted to, you know, offer you some perspective instead of you thinking I could have done this a better way. No, you did it the way you did it and it worked out, period. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's good. I, I didn't, I, I told, I've told a couple of my other friends that I, put the pause on the relationship before asking someone on the sex before asking someone out just to see how we develop it from a from an outside perspective like they wouldn't know nothing about the herpes of the situation they i would have just told them that's what i was doing generally that seems quite again i'm not a relationship counselor but that worked quite well for me because it did like allow me to you know um experience what it was like with this person as opposed to this yeah, it was yeah, it was purely like you know personality stuff because obviously, I I, I don't I I don't understand. Possibly maybe it does, but I don't see a world where compatibility you know get something long term if you're not compatible with the personality alone as well. You know. Yeah, because um, I mean, so, how, how often do people end up in relationships where they're like, well, the sex is good as the default when there's so many other things that are wrong. Like you may not. Uh, align on family values you may not align on religious or spiritual beliefs politics uh you may want to live in different places you may have different ideas of a long-term lifestyle and because the sex is good you might overlook those things so removing the sex from the equation especially like leading that conversation like that's a big deal and i think that yes you can learn a lot about a person through sex you can also learn a lot about a person aside from sex there's no one right or wrong way it's really about doing it honoring what your intention is and then following through with it right so that's that's cool i i very much uh respect that decision yeah i mean my girlfriend now thanks not thank thanks the wrong word but she she often talks about the, i think the sentence i said at the start was like we were looking for something casual but i don't know but i'd be interested in looking for something more long term she often talks about that time uh, that sentence is making her feel really really good mm. uh, again extra is in that might that won't work for everybody of course it won't but it's an if 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 you are with someone i mean if i had heard that sentence from her i'd been over the moon so yeah so if if, if yeah i would recommend you yeah. want to make that transition that it's a very important conversation to have and it's it's a milestone it is which isn't it's just nice mm -hmm. you know and it's it's really it cuts through a lot of the crap about you know, people not really knowing what they want. A lot of people might be weighing their options. A lot of people may not fully be available. But what you said in that sentence is, yeah, we've been doing this casual thing, but, you know, I want this to be long term. You know, that makes a person feel prioritized. That makes a person feel chosen. That makes a person feel valued and respected. And these are all very important things in a relationship. And that, if that's important to somebody, is important to somebody regardless. So it doesn't matter what else comes with that. It's I want this long-term thing. 
and I want this long-term thing with you. Okay, what comes with this? All right, herpes, all right, yeah, whatever. Uh, uh, what else? And then you start to look at it and you just kind of weigh it out. So the weight of her desire for a long-term committed monogamous relationship with you outweighed not wanting to get herpes. And we can just leave it at that. We can go into all kinds of reasons that people don't want herpes and whatnot, but it was more important to her to have this long-term relationship with you than it was for her to get herpes. And I think a lot of people really need to hear that and understand that and see that because the power of intention is, is, is something else. When you know what you want and you make that choice, you know, the more certain you are about it the easier it's going to be for people to get on board with it and there's not too much in the world right now that's just so easy to get on board with and and really commit to it so again man yeah good for you <laughs> yeah the um well i suppose just the the couple of things but the first one is we often um in terms of making the herpes aside, like in terms of making that transition from casual to maybe something more serious, a long term, a clip that myself and my girlfriend often send each other, even even though we've seen it like a hundred times, is uh, one of Taylor Thompson's stand up shows, and she says, you know, you know, you know, my boyfriend wasn't looking for something long term when I originally met him. Straight guys usually aren't, you know, they almost have to be. I think she says you almost have to be tricked or something. It's really cute when straight guys fall in love because it's like they say I love you it's like yes you did it good boy and all this yeah it's just yeah it's there's a lot of relatable stuff in that like um it's amazing yeah but I suppose uh and I think it's actually a very important thing you said there was you know the uh, someone they wanted to be with you more than they didn't want to get herpes and I think an important point for me is that one of the reasons I was so afraid losing my girlfriend when I heard about the herpes thing was that honestly at, at the time I couldn't have promised myself that I would have stayed with someone if they had told me they had herpes but I definitely would now not because it suits me better but because I know far more about it and it's for want of a better term it's not a big deal it's like you know, and I know that's a very flippant thing to say, especially if someone has, li has recently got their diagnosis and listening to this for the first time. In my head now, it's just so not a big deal. Like, it's manageable. It's, I don't really know what, what other actions to put on it. You know what I mean? As in, like, it is obviously a big deal at the time, but, like, yeah. in terms of if you're in a relationship with someone that matters, like, and you educate yourself on it, you realize that on the scale of things, it's really not, like, that big a deal. You can't let it decide compatible connections you know it can never ever in my head it should it can never and should ever but it might purely because someone or both people are not educated on it properly which was the stance i came from originally mm -hmm. and now yeah so i think more would probably need to be done i think finding out about it when you've got your diagnosis is it's not too late but it's nearly too late sometimes yeah. as in like it needs to be a more widespread conversation outside of just people who have a positive diagnosis. That's mm -hmm. just my thoughts on it anyway, because my, I, I often ask myself, I can hear someone maybe screaming down the, 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 down the phone or whatever, they're listening to this, I'm going, you only think that because it worked out for you and you know about it now and it suits you that someone would want that. Yeah, and that makes total sense. Like, that makes total sense. 
and on a certain level you could possibly be right but i'm i am very convinced that well i mean look at look at look at my girlfriend we we don't know and again i'll come back to your original question which was you know we don't know but well one it doesn't matter because we're gonna you know but that's an example of a person who stayed with me you know regardless because i was lucky enough that they were willing to do that so all those people exist but it's also a case of that she happened to be a bit more educated on it than me so she had a level of education that not not much now she just sexual health and maybe talking to her friends and stuff you know so um that was you know so you know had i had that level of education i probably would have felt the same and i'm pretty convinced of that but without it i definitely wouldn't have and that was irrational because again i didn't know enough about it so i think the conversation needs to be you know, and, and I'm, again, I'm probably a hypocrite because uh, I'm not mentioning my name on this. I'm very open to talking to people if they get in touch with me directly, but I'm not willing to announce that yet. But the more people, people that do, like yourself, are really flying the flag for for those who have a positive diagnosis to people who don't and don't understand what it means. Um, there needs to be more people like that or better coverage, or particularly, again, particularly in Ireland because it seems to me like obviously there seems to be a lot of conversation around that in America but not so much where I come from and that made me at the time feel really really annoyed. Yeah. Um, even though when I was when I heard all the stats about what your one in nines or whatever I, I mine is uh, HSV2 by the way it's just uh, for context so um, like that's what one in nine one in eleven something like that I remember sitting in of that evening and I was, I was always thinking about it. but I was looking around the place and there was about 50 people in there and I went there's definitely four more five more and I don't you know so like contextually has to be put into that perspective as well and it's shocking that it can affect so many people I mean I'd love, like, this, I mean fewer people are vegan and we hear all about that the whole time you know is in why can't we have a better conversation about this so I think it's just again I think it's because the stigma of again particularly in Ireland stigma there's a, there's a sort of a, a stigma around sex there that's only really starting to be broken um as in you know there's there's a there's a sexual health doctor who's doing the rounds on in the irish scene now uh, dr jenny jenny Keane is her name I, I believe um she's been on irish podcasts and she's a sex therapist uh, that's what she is and she does really good work but again that's from a more of a sex life and she does a lot of sex health stuff as well but she's really breaking the mold can you send me uh, over Instagram whenever you, when we're done, just send me her information? She's doing good work in Ireland, but again, there is still this. I, I do feel, and maybe this is all in my head, but like I, I, when I looked, I searched herpes on, 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 on Spotify, found your podcast, started listening to it, it was really good. But I have since tried to put myself in my shoes at the time and gone herpes in Ireland. And Please, someone send me if I'm wrong, but nothing comes up. Um, if you can, if you can prove me wrong, that's I would rather that. That's brilliant. But like, that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, so the, the reason I was obviously, uh, you know, the reason I was uh, very willing to come on here is because you know I would, like I said, I want to be available to me now. As in, you don't have to if you don't want to, and you want to deal in a different way, but. I, what I'm doing now, I definitely could have done this at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm really doing. All right. Um, 
So I guess we can start to wrap it up. The one thing that I want to, I was so ready to defend you on the herpes is not a big deal thing. <laughs> yeah, I think that you kind of did that. You know, you've made your point uh, in your explanation. Uh, I want to add to it and just say that herpes is, it, a lot of it is luck. A lot more of it is attraction, I would say. There's not much that we can control, you know, in general, than just taking care of ourselves, presenting ourselves to the kind of people that we want to be with and giving them the choice. Do you want to be with me? Do you not want to be with me? Right. And so when we say herpes is not a big deal, like obviously we might be having a completely different conversation. I would say we would be having a different conversation had things not gone your way. So when we look at and say herpes is not a big deal, it's situational. Herpes isn't a big deal compared to you being someone who knows that you want a monogamous relationship and wanting to be in that relationship and finding someone who also wants that and presenting it to them. Because a lot of people get rejected and don't even realize that this person, one, doesn't want what they want, or two, that they don't even really want this person. And that just validates this idea that you might have about yourself as a person living with herpes, that nobody wants herpes. No, nobody that you actually don't wanna be with and probably doesn't really wanna be with you wants herpes, right? And they don't want it from you. If we really want to boil it down, a lot of times people are like, yeah, nobody wants to get herpes, but more importantly, in some of these situations, these people don't want to get herpes from you, right? And I think that a lot of it too is, um, you know, if you look at people who are annoying or annoyed by certain things, it's annoying when it's coming from someone you might not be attracted to or that you want nothing from, but it's cute when it comes from someone that is uh, attractive or somebody that you do want something from. So when we say um, subjectively, again, that herpes is not a big deal, it's not always a big deal. Uh, it's going to be a big deal when you make it one in your head and you prioritize that and you're thinking, oh, I have herpes, so now I'm not going to be able to get the quality of a partner that I want. Yes, because that's not what you're looking at. Your your baseline is, okay, now the quality of my partner just has to be okay with me having herpes. Now, yes, they will have to be okay with that, but is that the only thing you're looking at? Are you just looking at that, or are you looking at that and this person's physical attractiveness? And are you looking at how they talk to the servers at the restaurant? You know, there, there's so many more things outside of looking at and making herpes a big deal that we just overlook personality traits, values, character, uh, qualities. And yeah, of course, physical appearance, how a person carries themselves, how they dress, how you feel around them. You know, that's a big thing too, is that people don't look at how they feel around a person. They're just looking at what they want from this person. And when we dehumanize people, we put them on the same scale of measure up, measuring up against a herpes diagnosis and like, okay, well, I have herpes 
and we start to even look for flaws in the other person like well you know she's not all that cute or she's not all that tall so she should be fine with me having herpes or he should be fine with me having herpes so that's just a thing or some things that can happen um and i just wanted to elaborate or add a little bit to your comment of it not feeling like a big deal because once you get what you want no it's not a big deal so it's worth it to go through those moments where it is hard where you do get rejected where you do have to figure out you know okay well what do i really want what's worth this feeling because i, I tell women all the time listen i've been in love before and i had my heart broken enough times to know that being in love is worth having your heart broken so you can get rejected a few times before you get to a place of being with somebody who that's not going to be an issue for. It's just a matter of, you know, knowing what's more important to you than herpes. Simple as that. That all said, um, is there anything that you want to leave us with? Uh, I'll, if people do want to connect with you, they can do that through me and you and I can talk and I'll talk to them and we can go through that. Now, if it gets to be like dozens of people in Ireland reaching out, that's going to be a different conversation that we got to have. But typically the one-to-ones or a couple people here and there, or I'll just start like an Instagram group chat, which I have a few uh, from different places. Uh, there's one for Australia. There's one for Ireland. I don't have one for Canada. Canada, is, it's not really... <laughs> It's not as big of an issue. I was about to say it's not a big deal. Look at me. <laughs> but yeah, um, what what else do you have to add before I let you go? No, I suppose just me saying it's not a big deal. You 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 very correctly clarified that in the sense that it's not a big deal for me now. Um, like that's probably it probably it's probably very flippant of me to say that again because it worked out for me. But you you touched on a very important point there that like it, it does it, it obviously makes you look at relationships a different way and I would argue that it puts a better gives you a better lens on how to on how you see people and you know I think one of the best things that it probably does in from what I've learned from my experience that it's it helps you find someone who really values you as well and not just someone that you really value which is you know everyone deserves to be in a relationship where not only they value the person but they're valued as well and i feel like if you someone is staying with you you discuss this to the person and they say yes i want to stay with you anyway that is a brilliant way of finding someone who values you um that's obviously not to say that it's necessary or whatever but it definitely worked for me and to anyone listening to this who might have that fear, you know, it's 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 it, it can work for you as well. You know, in fact, I would argue that I would probably make the point that it's probably nearly helps you find someone you're more compatible with because you have to really focus on what you're looking for and what someone might be looking for in you, or all these things become all of the other things become a bigger deal. I would say so. You know that 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 makes it. I feel you know it does help and contribute towards striving what you're ultimately looking for. So, you know, obviously, you said at the start. You, you know, yeah, you said at the start that like you're. You know, you feel like your life is over, your sex life is over. I went from that to where I am now, and that wouldn't have been possible without my diagnosis. I feel. 
It would have been something else. It would have been something else, I'm sure. So we can say that. In the time frame that I have, in the time frame that I have, I don't, like, so, like, as in, obviously, if it hadn't worked for me, it would have worked for me later on down the road. But, like, what it did was in the relationship that I'm in now, my diagnosis allowed me to focus on what was important and realize how important it was. You know, and I I would have realized that eventually, but it might have taken me a bit longer. Um, my timing was just very climactic in that I had the feelings and then I got the diagnosis. Just that, I feel like it's important to answer your question uh, about, I, we don't know if I got it from my current partner. Um, uh, a couple of tests have been scheduled, but for purely innocent logistical reasons, they haven't gone through yet. It's not a fear thing or anything. It's literally just that something that's happened. Um, so the like the idea is that we it's it's possible that it did and it's possible that that it didn't, um. So I don't we don't know that yet. I mean, there's probably going to come a day if she tests ends up testing positive, that's nearly better because then like we we won't know if it came from her or if it came from me or. But ultimately, like none of that matters in the relationship I'm in right now. As in, if we God forbid if we don't work out, it's not going to be because of her. Okay. And I think that's important. Yeah, thank you. We got the cliffhanger. That's a big cliffhanger because like not knowing can completely change, you know, the trajectory. So I'm, I'm not going to get into all of the, well, what would you have done if she, if you found out she lied to you or didn't tell you, right? Mm-hmm. But you already mentioned that there was a little bit less um, information that was out there available to y'all. The education was terrible and she just happened to know a little bit about you, which to me, I'm like, hmm, what do you mean? Yeah, you are yeah. You? And, and yeah, no, and, and I, I, I got to jump in and defend, you know, and that's perfectly valid. I got to jump <laughs> in and defend her and say that was purely just, I, girls are just more open to talking about these things, you know, obviously sex has, one would argue that, you know, so a lot of girls would be told maybe Maybe it's not so much America, definitely here that girls are sometimes sometimes told that sex has more more consequences for them. You know, obviously long term if you're doing things correctly, I don't believe that to be the case, but you know, obviously they're gonna be more open and then girls are just more open about conversation about things like that generally. So and I, you know, I, I don't believe that she's lying to me. Right, <laughs> I never cool, think that. Cool. So uh, <laughs> babe, don't go babe, I know you're listening to this. <laughs> Oh, you didn't lie to me. <laughs> yeah, don't don't be mad at me. I just had to ask. I'm a journalist. I gotta I gotta ask these questions. He's doing his job. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, I appreciate you hopping on here. Um, like I said, if people reach out and want to connect, I will coordinate that with you. Um, get your consent about moving forward. And yeah, if it becomes like a bigger deal to have more of these group chats and things like that, then we can make that happen because I do believe that community is important. Um, and you spoke to a lot of very, you know, similar experiences to other men, you know, and what they're having, you know, you having your experience with the game and everyone's like angry about losing, sad about losing. And you're like not able to be present with that and feeling a little bit of guilt there. So I I get it. And I thank you for being willing to come on here and show your experience in the detail that you have. So, uh, yeah, I'll be in touch with you. This actually will come out next Thursday. I, I shouldn't say that on here because dates are different, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you after the show. All right.
That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to this podcast. Survey, www.spfpp.org survey. If you are able to and looking to attend any of the events, go to the events tab on the website, www.spfpp.org events. Uh, I am putting together a virtual conference for May 23rd, 2024, which is the five-year anniversary of Something Positive for Positive People. This conference will consist of things that helped me during my uh, herpes diagnosis and what I found to be really useful from the mental health perspective, understanding herpes itself, and then a couple of other useful resources. And here we will also present the survey findings from 2023 and create some uh, resources that you might be able to share with your healthcare providers and also use for disclosing and just having some general knowledge about what herpes is. So you can support us by visiting www.spfpp.org and signing up to donate or sign up for Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spfpp. All right, y'all. Till next time.